All right, so uh, community time question was, what is like a really great meal you've had lately? So if you answered that, my question is, did you answer a really great meal because of the food or because of the company in which you were eating with or both, okay? So how many of you, the meal you think of last that was like a really great meal, you're thinking about the food? All right, yep, let's be honest. And then how many of you are thinking about the people that you spend time with? All right, a couple more. And how many both? Both food and the company. All right, because that's really what makes a great meal great, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so here's a question. Have you ever had a meal that changed your life? Okay, because the food was that good, right? But have you ever had a meal that when you sat down to eat, at the end of the meal, you feel different, like something changed within you? And maybe some of you had this type of experience. You're somehow kind of a different person uh, when you started the meal than when you finished. And when I think about meals like that in my own life, and I'm speaking personally, I I thought about that, and I think about those meals, and there's something that's often in common with any meal that felt life-changing for me. When I look back over my life, the meals that were the most life-changing meals were ones that were shared with people who had different backgrounds than I did. Meals that I was sharing with people who had different ethnic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, perspectives, because there's something about coming to a table and, you, and you're engaging face-to-face and you're eating good food. Uh, you're maybe eating food that's different than you've experienced in the past. And it just brings you together. This last week, somebody said this phrase to me, food and, and meals eating is the great equalizer. Because everybody's got to eat and everybody's got to make time to eat, right? And I think about some of these experiences in my life and how that's been the, the setting in which change has happened for me. Because I'm hearing somebody's story, someone's perspective. They're graciously listening to me and my story and my perspective. And I could tell you stories after stories of meals that changed my life. And oftentimes, what was the commonality of all those meals is that I was sharing that with somebody who is different than me culturally, ethnically, in different ways like that. And so my question is, have you had a meal like that recently or maybe at some point in your life that you can kind of resonate with me about that? Uh, one of the things I love about Northeast Minneapolis is that you can get food here from all over the world. Am I right? Right? And great food from all over the world here in Northeast Minneapolis. That's one of my favorite things about our city. Um, so you know that part of the city that's kind of the gateway to Northeast? You've probably driven by it. Put it up there on the screen for a second, Roland. Yeah, have you seen that big sign? What's so cool is that if you walk along that sign uh, or near where that sign is, all the railings have these, this artwork. Put that up there of these mosaics, and you can't see them probably super well, but it has all the different, well, it represents some of the many ethnicities that represent Northeast Minneapolis. So you can see up there, it says German, Chinese, Czech, Ukrainian, African. I have an ethnic background of being Polish, and so I see Polish down there. And this artist just wanted to represent the diversity that is a part of Northeast Minneapolis, and I think that's awesome. So We've been starting this conversation last week and now today called Gospel and Race, talking about the good news of Jesus and the, the construct of race that we experience in our cultures today, particularly here in North America. And I would say this is a very important conversation to have. It's also a really difficult conversation to have. It's challenging in a lot of ways. If you weren't here last week, I highly want to encourage you to listen to the podcast on our website, millcitychurch.com, where you can hear the way that Mike was kind of laying the foundation for this conversation. He worked really hard to communicate that well, so I'm not going to re-communicate what he communicated today. 
Um, but it was the foundation for this conversation that we're having for the next few weeks. And uh, I just want to use the same definitions that he used to talk about what we're talking about today. So I brought the same slides back that he had. So first of all, I want to define the two words that I just used, race and ethnicity. And so this is how we're defining them today. There's debate about how to define it, but this is how I'm defining them as I'm using the terms today. So first, race is a social construct created to separate groups of people by physical appearance and create a hierarchy of human value. So uh, I would use this term as something who's, that's often used negatively, maybe not always, but often. And then ethnicity refers to the combination of language, heritage, and culture that have shaped who we are. So we all have an ethnic background because we all have a combination of language, heritage, and cultures that shape who we are. And so that's what I'm talking about when I talk about ethnic diversity. And this whole month, we're going to stay in this passage in Acts 10. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Acts 10. And we're going to actually just look at this story. It's a really rich story, so it made sense just to stay in it for four weeks and to look at different aspects of what amazing thing that God is doing in this story. Next week, we have a friend named Daryl Gillespie. He's a pastor of a church called Proverbs Christian Fellowship. He's going to be here to share with us, and I have one request, that a few of you sit in these seats right here so Pastor Gillespie doesn't feel weirded out, all right? Can I get some volunteers just to come sit up here? All right, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm handling it. But for Pastor Gillespie, could you sit a little bit closer? That'd be nice. But he's coming, and some of the folks from his church, Proverbs Christian Fellowship, I've had the opportunity to preach at his church um, some Sunday mornings over in North Minneapolis, and he's going to come share with us, which is going to be great. And so the core of this conversation, as Michael opened it, as I'm sharing today, and Pastor Gillespie, and as we finish, is this. And I want to put this screen back up on the, this definition back up on the screen from last week. This is what we're suggesting. We need to cross racial and ethnic boundaries in order to understand and live out the gospel. We need to cross intentionally racial and ethnic boundaries in order to understand and live out the gospel. And then finally, this is not an option. It's not an, option, an optional part of the gospel, but a necessary part of what it means to be a gospel person or a good news person that we talked about a few weeks ago. So that's the, the, the premise, the, the, the theory that we're working with here is that this is core to what it means to be people of good news. So something you should know about me is that this is a passion area for me. This is something that I care a lot about, partly because of choice, but partly because of life experience for me. I grew up in an environment in which I had aunties and uncles that were from all different ethnic backgrounds. Uh, that was, I, I see that as a privilege that I got to have that experience growing up. People who I would call auntie and uncle who were from co different countries, different backgrounds within our country. And that shaped a lot of who I am and what I care about today, being a part of that kind of extended family. And I've studied diversity. I've studied anti-racism. I've sought out mentors of different backgrounds, um, ethnically and diversity in diverse ways, so that they could speak into my life. I've tried to be really intentional with relationships with people who are different than me. When I bought my house just a few blocks from here, I looked for an area in the city that was racially and ethnically diverse to live there specifically. And I think about all of that stuff and the intention that I've put in that in my life. And the true confession is, I completely get this wrong sometimes. Still, still, after that much effort, which in some ways is an unusual amount of effort because of my background and my experience in life, I still mess things up. I still say things that are offensive. I still get offended. 
I still get confused about how to say something. I still feel as though there are intentions that I have that I don't actually step into. I think about how I want to come alongside my friends of, that are people of color who experience racism, and I want to help carry that burden for them. And there are days that I step into that, and then there's days that I don't. Because part of my privilege as somebody who's a part of the dominant racial hierarchy here in our country is that I don't have to think about it every day if I don't want to. And I recognize that that's not true for my friends. And there's days that I have intentions to step into that with them and to be a person of solidarity, and I don't. And, and I just have to confess that to you, that this is just this area that none of us are ever going to reach perfection in because it's so difficult and it's so challenging. And also, that there's nothing that somebody like me or Michael or Daryl can say on this stage that everybody's going to agree with all the time, right? Because this is just one of those areas where there's a lot of different perspectives. And I want to say today, that has to be okay. We need to be okay with that. We need to be okay with the fact that we have different perspectives. So I'm sharing my perspective today. But I just have to be honest with you that this is really difficult. And no matter how much effort and intentionality I put into this in my life, I totally fail at this all the time. And I have to get back up again and try again. That's a part of this journey. So I would say that crossing racial and ethnic boundaries in order to understand the gospel and live out the gospel is a lifelong journey for all of us. And so in a way, if we're stepping into it, what we're saying is I want to step into a lifelong journey, not something I'm going to think about for a few weeks, but something that I'm going to journey and have it a part of my life as I go forward. So here's the thing. I don't think this is just meant to be a burden. It feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? Like this, is a, this, this conversation is so weighty and it's so heavy, and I, and I think that makes sense. But I want to suggest today that God's also inviting us to something, something good. That God's actually inviting us to something that, yes, as we'll see in this passage, it might be daunting, but it's an invitation from God. God's doing something new, and it's amazing, and it's something that's a gift that we get to step into. It means that we're going to have life-changing experiences, and that is an amazing thing, but it's also something that brings anxiety, and, and that's okay. So we have these four things. You got this card as you came in, and Rowan can put these little images on the, on the screen. Now, this is meant to be a starting place for us. Doing these four things is not going to lead to amazing radical reconciliation just by themselves, but this is a starting point. To pray for reconciliation. To be someone who eats with people who are different than us on purpose. To listen to the perspectives and the stories of people who are different than us. And then to worship with people from different ethnic backgrounds by intentionally accepting invitations to come worship with other people. And that's what we're talking about as a way for us to move past a sense of feeling paralyzed in this conversation into some actions that can help us move towards what it looks like to be reconciled to each other. So we're not suggesting that this is going to fix the, the tension and the issues that we have, but it's a starting place. And so today we're going to talk about eating, which is a subject I love because I love eating, and I bet a lot of you do too. And so we want to look at this passage in Acts chapter 10. I'm going to tell the story a little bit, and then I'll read just a little bit of it. Um, so we don't read the whole passage. But if you want to follow along in your Bible, it'll be in Acts chapter 10. So the story is about these two groups of people. There's this man named Cornelius, and he's a Gentile man who is a God-fearer, somebody who's been trying to follow Yahweh, the God of the people of Israel. And then we have Peter and his Jewish companions, who are people who have become Christ followers, Jesus followers, but have a Jewish ethnic background. And uh, this is what's happening in this story. Cornelius... The Gentile man has this vision from God where an angel comes and speaks to him and says, Cornelius, God sees you. God notices that you are caring for the poor. 
Now listen to what God says. God wants you to send somebody to this other city in Joppa to get this man named Peter and ask him to come to you. No other explanation than that. And Cornelius obeys what he hears God say to him. And he sends some people over to Joppa to reach Peter. Now, meanwhile, in Joppa, Peter is the next day going up on the rooftop to pray, which would be a common cultural thing to do for his, for his ethnic background. So he's up on the rooftop, he's praying, it's right before dinner, so he's waiting for dinner to be finished, and he's praying to God. And during that prayer, while he's waiting for dinner, he has this vision from God also. And he sees this big sheet with four corners coming down from heaven, and as it comes down from heaven, there are these animals on the sheet, and they're animals that were a part of the Jewish purity laws that were not allowed to be eaten, okay? So the animals on the sheet are all animals that that Peter should stay away from and not eat. And this vision, the animals come down, they come running off the sheet, and he hears this voice that says, Peter, get up and eat. And Peter says, surely not, God. I have never eaten an unclean animal. And then it happens again, same vision. And then it happens again, third time, same vision. This, these animals coming down, God speaking in the same way, and Peter saying, Surely, I should not eat this. I've never done that, God. I'm not going to break these laws that we have. And in that moment, some of Peter's friends run up from the house, and he's, he's confused, right? I mean, he's trying to imagine, what is this about? Maybe I'm deliriously hungry, so I'm imagining things, right? Did any of you kind of have weird delirium when you're hungry? Christian Ann does. You do. I've seen it happen. It's crazy. She just, it's like, whoa, someone give her some food. So, I think Peter's wondering, why am I having this weird vision? And in that moment, these guys come up and say, Peter, strange request. This Gentile guy from this other city is inviting you to come, and he didn't even give us a reason why. Peter gets up and says, it's got to be something to do with what I just saw. Let's go today. And so they head over to, to where Cornelius is. It takes about a day to get there. And uh, what Peter realizes, and not quite yet in the story, but what God is trying to say to Peter is this. Your commitment that you have to me is really good. I did tell you at one point that you shouldn't eat these certain things because I'm trying to have you be set apart. But God's doing a new thing. What Jesus did changed some of that. And Peter is really confused about this, right? But he follows God. And he goes with these men that he doesn't even know. And he goes to Cornelius' house. And I'm going to read what it says in Acts 10. 27. And Rollin will put it up here on the screen for you. So he gets there, and this is what happens. Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people inside Cornelius' house. He said to them, you all are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. And then Peter says, may I ask why you sent me? And then Peter listens to what they have to say right away. And Cornelius just says, listen, I had this vision that we were supposed to send for you, and God said that he saw us. Like your God said he saw us and, and saw what's happening here, and he said to, to come get you. And so then Peter responds in verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and who does what is right. 
You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Notice what happens here. Leave that up there for a second. Peter is coming into this space, and it says that Peter knew right away God is not showing favoritism over one nationality or ethnicity at this point. And that's what Peter had understood. And he's saying, if these are people who want to do what is right, it already said that they were caring for the poor and trying to be people who followed Yahweh, then God accepts them too. And it says that they already had heard this message about Jesus, right? They, they already know this gospel, Peter's using the word gospel or good news, this good news of Jesus Christ. And so Peter is basically affirming what you heard is true and apparently it's true for you, and not just true for you as like a second-rate citizen in the kingdom of God, but true for you, just as true for you as it is for me, Peter is saying. This is amazing. I mean, this is a huge thing that's happening. The good news just got even more good. Do you see how that, that happens there? What was good news to Cornelius and all of the Gentiles from this different ethnic background was the good news had just gotten even more good because they were now welcomed into this family of God completely. Because this good news now meant that the barrier between people and God that was taken away by Jesus and what Jesus did in his death and resurrection, the barrier between humans and God was taken away not just for the, Israel, the Israelites or the people with the Jewish background, but for every nationality who wanted to follow God. If they wanted to accept the good news, the gospel, then they could. And not only that, but the good news is that what Jesus did took away the barrier between humans and God, but also the barrier, as you can see, between two groups of people. And, and eventually multiple groups of people. Unless you're of a Jewish background, you wouldn't be sitting here today if this story hadn't happened. Right? This is a big deal. <laughs> this is huge. And what we need to understand is that this, as the story continues, this is a, a huge thing that just happened. This is not just something that was an interesting story because it changed. It was a life-changing experience. What goes on in the story is that basically Peter isn't even finished talking and all of a sudden all of the people who are there are overcome with the Holy Spirit and they start praising God, speaking in tongues and the Jewish folks that had come with Peter are shocked. It says they're astonished. Oh my goodness, these Gentile people are experiencing God the way that we've experienced God. And I bet it was differently, right? Because they're from a different background, but they're seeing God move right there in front of them. They're astonished. And so then Peter and his friends, they say, well, if these are people who want to follow God, then we're going to baptize them. And so they're all baptized, and they celebrate. It says that they praised God and they worshiped together. And then it says something interesting. Peter and his companions stayed with Cornelius in his household for a few days. Just, we have to try to imagine this for a second. How radical of a shift this is. Peter went from not even believing that he should have a meal or enter the property of somebody who was of a different ethnic background. And here he is crossing the threshold into the house full of people, uh, declaring that God doesn't show favoritism over ethnicities, and then praying over these people, baptizing them. They're all worshiping together and then stays there for a few days. Do you realize how much trust in what God was doing Peter had to have at that moment? I mean, Peter is radically following God in this, right? In this really distinct moment that is about ethnic 
separation that's now not separate anymore. That's what the story is about. And, and here Peter is in this house and probably eating with these folks, right? He's sleeping there. He's laughing with them, talking to them, doing life with them, and eating meals together. And we know for sure that he's eating meals together because really soon after Peter and his friends leave, this is confronted pretty directly. There's a group of people who pretty immediately say, we need to figure out what just happened here because that was a humongous shift. And this is what it says in chapter 11, right at the beginning. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers or the Jewish believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of an uncircumcised man and ate with them? Not only did you go in there, you ate with them? Starting from the beginning, Peter told the whole story. And then actually chapter 11 just goes through the whole story again, which I think we should pay attention to. Because here we have Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, telling the same story twice. When you hear that, it's kind of a sign to say, whoa, this is really something that God's doing. This isn't something that the humans thought, here's an idea. This is something that the God of the universe had invited these folks into. You can see God's leadership, can't you? From the praying in the two different locations to helping them understand what those visions meant to crossing the threshold, eating together, doing life together, spending time in Cornelius' home. The only way that this would happen is because of God. And I would say that this is clearly not only a life-changing experience, these meals that they had together, not only is that a life-changing experience for Peter and the people who were with Peter, but this is an experience that changed the trajectory of life for all of us as we know it. This is a way in which God is saying, I am doing something new in this area of the separation of these ethnic groups. Notice that the way that God communicates to Peter in that vision, remember what the vision was? It was these animals and saying that he could eat. It's interesting because Peter knew that that was symbolic then. He was able to put that together. God's using food and meals to communicate the new thing that God's doing. You see how Peter knew that? Peter was able to say, this means that these dividing walls between us aren't there anymore. God used this image of a meal to communicate this. And that is the power of a meal. That is the power of sitting together and eating together. That is what it can do. If we let God lead us, even a simple meal can be life-changing. It might not change the whole trajectory of an entire group of people like it did at this time, but it can make huge changes in our life. So let's make this really practical. Last week, we encouraged you to pray, to pray for our own hearts, to pray for our communities, to pray against racism, to pray for reconciliation. And this week, we want to encourage you to eat. Can you do that? Can we eat? All right, Christian Ann's into that. Someone give her a bar sooner. She's going to get loopy. But here's some just really specific invitations I want to invite you. Today, you're invited, as you heard, to go over to the stuck roots of the Addisons. And I know for some of you, going into somebody's house that you've never been to before, no big deal. But for some of you, that actually is a big deal. I'm not going to know anybody. I don't know what the food's going to be. And we totally understand that. So for some of you, that actually is putting you out of your comfort zone a little bit. So we want to start there. You're invited to come eat with these families today and any of us who are going to be there. And uh, it'll be really friendly and it'll be really great. We usually go to a restaurant on Second Sunday, but we're going to go to their house today. 
Next week, if you want to mark your calendars, when the, our friends are here from Proverbs Christian Fellowship, and some of you are going to sit in these rows, remember that? We're going to have a meal with them after the service. So anybody who wants to come eat with some of our friends from Proverbs Christian Fellowship, you're invited to do that. Mark your calendar, and uh, we'll be probably at a restaurant somewhere, and we'll all eat together. It'll be great. So that's another invitation for you. At least four of our eight missional communities here as a church, we talk about our missional communities as the group life that we have as a church, at least four of them regularly eat with groups of people that have different ethnic backgrounds. That is a great way for you to start this and to step into just having meals with people who are different than you. So let us know. We'd love for you to get connected with one of those four missional communities that regularly do that. And then finally, this is just my last invitation to you. Would you consider praying, like we said last week, that God would give you just one opportunity, even this month, to eat with somebody who has a different background than you? And maybe God will show you that right away. Maybe it'll take praying about that a few times. But just maybe it's a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, I don't know. But somebody that you've never eaten with before, perhaps. Maybe God could really give you that opportunity. I've had life-changing meals in so many different spaces in my life. I have life-changing meals at Clare Housing and the, the high-rise that's by our house that Michael mentioned earlier, um, where our missional community comes and eats with people. I feel like I'm changed every time I'm there because of a conversation that I have. It's amazing. I've been impacted deeply by being hosted by some beautiful Liberian women from my mom's church in Brooklyn Park, and every time I'm hosted by them and eat the food that they provide for me, I feel this distinct sense that I have experienced something beautiful. I have been changed when I've sometimes eaten things that I wasn't sure what they were and sometimes didn't feel so great about it afterwards and other times thought, I don't know what this is, but this tastes amazing. I've been changed by experiences where I was offered food that was so spicy that my Polish-British tongue could not handle it and I was trying not to cry the whole time. But by the end of the meal, I was in tears because of the way that God had brought us together over that meal. It wasn't just the spice. So as I can kind of conclude this today, I want to I be real with you. I know this is challenging. This is really challenging for all of us to be put out of our comfort zone. Most of us don't like to be put out of our comfort zone. And I also recognize that for a person who feels that they have very little in the way of, of racial privilege in our cultures, uh, putting yourself out of your comfort zone even more is not something that's on the top of your list. And I understand that. But let's just all think about where our comfort zone is and just kind of, just a little bit, right? Just, just a little bit over our comfort zone. We need to become comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes. We need to become comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes. And as I was praying about this this month, I felt like God said something to me. And I don't always feel this, but I felt like God said something to me really specifically that he wanted me to say to all of you today. So here it is. Ethnic diversity is a gift from God. I felt like God wanted me to say to all of us, ethnic diversity is a gift from God. And I hope that that's not something that's, that's shocking. I hope that seems obvious to you. But the reality is that the anxiety that we carry sometimes from the fear of getting it wrong keeps us from experiencing that amazing gift, doesn't it? And the fact that we struggle to integrate as churches, which we do, it causes us to miss out on this glimpse of the power that there is with unity and diversity, doesn't it? And, and the fact that we are uncomfortable in situations where a lot of different ethnic groups are represented and we sometimes feel tension, it makes us 
shy back from those life-changing opportunities sometimes. And the racial tension and the climate in our country, no doubt, clouds the view of the beauty that cultural diversity offers. We need to realize that racism is a curse, but diversity is a gift. Racism is a curse, but diversity is a gift from God. Racism is this thing that the enemy uses to thwart a good thing that God did. It is this, this systemic and individual poison that we should all play an active role against in every community that we have an opportunity to do so. Racism is not from God. It is not God's design. It is not what God wants for us. It is a part of a broken world. But brokenness is not the end of the story. Right? That's not the end of the story. Brokenness is not the end of the story. Ethnic and cultural diversity is an amazing opportunity to more fully express and be people made in God's image. It's the good news, it's the gospel, that there is no barrier between us and God and no barrier between us and each other. It's the kingdom of God. It is this picture of the future hope that we hold on to that someday, as we read in Revelation, every tongue and tribe and nation will come together and they will sing, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, right? Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and praise be to our God. Everybody together singing that. And when we step towards people who are different than us, even in small things like a meal, even in small things like listening, we are taking small steps in dismantling the curse of racism. And Satan, our enemy, he's going to mess with that for the rest of our lives. But someday, Jesus is going to put an end to that. And we get a glimpse of what that feels like and what that's going to be like when we step towards each other. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and we're going to celebrate communion together. And that feels really appropriate to me to celebrate communion together today as we talk about eating with one another. When you think about this story, we realize that the good news is, yes, that Jesus died and came back to life for the brokenness in each of us as individuals. But Jesus also died and came back to life for the brokenness that exists in our systems, in our world like racism. Jesus' death and resurrection is good news because it means that we can be reconciled with God and reconciled with, with each other. So think about the experience of communion, the last night that the disciples are together with Jesus, the night that Jesus was betrayed. At the very beginning of the meal, he takes this bread and he breaks it, and he says, this is my body that's broken for you. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but then actually, they just go on eating the entire meal. And then it says at the end of the meal, Jesus takes the cup. After they've actually just eaten a meal together, talking and sharing about life like usual, Jesus takes the cup and this is the, the blood shed for you of the new covenant in my blood that, that then in this story in Acts 10, Jesus is saying is for everybody. And Jesus says, remember me. When you do this, remember me. And I don't think he just meant when we do this on Sunday morning, symbolically, I think Jesus also meant every single time food goes in your mouth, I want you to remember me. Every meal that you have with your family or with people who are different than you or on your own, remember me. And if we have the privilege to step into life-changing meals with people who are different than us, we got to remember Jesus, don't we? Because if we do, 
We can overcome any tension, any uncomfortability, any, any screw-ups and mistakes that we make. If we remember Jesus in those moments, that can change everything. And we would be people who God lets us live out this good news that we are all brothers and sisters and we are better together than we are apart. Amen?